Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? For the last year and a half, our nation and our world has been gripped by the fear of a virus. Almost all of our international, national, state, local, and even personal decisions have had fear as a starting point. We all know that decisions based on fear are often not good ones. As believers, we're reminded that we should not have a spirit of fear. But certainly, fear creeps in even when we don't want it to. FDR once said, courage is not the absence of fear, but the assessment that something else is more important than fear. What is that thing that is more important than fear? After this break, let's talk about this thing, and let's talk about Torah. Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Gary. Yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> yes, it is. It's good to be back. And, you know, we're going to talk about a topic today that, of course, we could not avoid any longer. You know? <laughs> I don't know how we've gone this long without talking about it. <laughs> I don't know how we had. So we're going to talk today about about this virus, about about COVID, um, but more about the response to the virus. Yeah, you know, yeah, which has been extreme. Which has been extreme. But um, you've had a little bit of experience with it. Yourself, yeah, right? I actually did. You know, uh, myself, my wife, my daughter, we all had it, and uh, we use therapeutics, and we are doing great. Um, I think that that's one of the things I'm sure we'll talk about today. But I think if therapeutics had been uh, more widely advertised and encouraged, I don't think we would have had as much problem with this virus as we have had. It's um, certainly we would not have had as many deaths. Yes, and I and we certainly wouldn't have had as much fear. Exactly. Right. When you have choices, when you have options, uh, yes, that would have minimized the fear as exactly. well. Exactly. People would have thought that they had a little more control. Mm-hmm. Um, they're feeling now like they don't have control, and that yeah. that's a problem. Now, I've also realized recently, too, and you probably have, too, that... Having control is really just an illusion. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a delusion. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's very true. I know you have personal experiences in your life, but really it's true for all of us. I I remember saying, uh, I think once before on one of our podcasts, that we one of the things that was constantly thrown at us during it was this, in these uncertain times, in these uncertain times. Well, seriously, have there really ever been certain certain times, certainty? in our lives? No. (laughs) Exactly. Never, never, never. But, you know, today I want to talk a little bit about this concept of fear um, and fear as a um, kind of a starting point for a lot of our decisions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, it reminds me of the story of the spies, you know, numbers, uh, the book of numbers, numbers 13. um, You know, they, the Israelites have come out of Egypt. Um, They haven't been out for too long. They're getting up near the promised land. And God says, you know, go into the land, you know, reconnoiter, love that word, uh, <laughs> reconnoiter the land, take, look at it, see what's going on. And they go in there and they come back and they have like, you know, fruit and they have, you know, there's good things. But then um, 10 of those spies 
brought back fear. Right. You know, it was just a story of fear that they were not going to be able to take this land. There were giants in the land, and it was going to swallow them up, and they were going to look like grasshoppers in these people's eyes. Yeah, everything that they saw most recently at that point was overriding the promises that God made and everything they had seen him do. When you think about the exodus from Egypt, you know, the outstretched arm, the mighty hand, the, the miracles, the wonders, it was phenomenal. And they should have been filled with confidence that God had, was big enough to handle anything that they saw in that land. After all, he promised it to them. Exactly. And yet what they saw before their eyes at that moment now completely erased. Uh, erased. Yeah, they were fearful and they forgot what they had already seen. You know, Deuteronomy um, uh, speaks to this and it says, you did not trust in the mm. Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. Mm. They did not trust. No, they didn't trust. And I think that what what we can compare this to today is everyone's had life experience. We've had, we've been through pandemics before. And yet this time, what was different is the ubiquitous media onslaught, you know, this reporting deaths every day, showing that, showing how many people were dying, showing so-called makeshift morgues and really driving home this issue of fear, making it look like, that if you got COVID, you were dead. It was a death sentence. And we know that not to be true. We know that intellectually, but when you're when you when you've got all these people telling you over and over and yeah. over again, it's hard to keep that confidence and and not be overcome by fear. And I think that's what happened to the Israelites when these when ten out of twelve right. of these guys came back saying, "Whoa, this is scary, man. We we can't yeah. deal with this." And there's two. Joshua and Caleb going, yeah, we got this, gang. We got this. Yeah, Caleb, is, we're told, tried to quiet the crowd. You know, exactly. in the Hebrew, he said, shechet, you know, shut up. <laughs> but they would not. And they wouldn't relent. And then once you get the mob involved and they hear the, the, the louder voices, they overrode Caleb and Joshua. And now you've got this fire spreading throughout the, the tribes that, no, we can't do this. Exactly. And in Numbers 14, it says, um, let us choose a leader to go back to Egypt. Mm. And I think that's a really, it, that caused, caused me to kind of stop and think, um, let's choose a leader, someone we can follow. So we always follow someone, mm. right? Okay. Yeah, we always follow that. someone. There's always a master. There's always a leader. We can think that, you know, we're in charge. Mm. Not so much, right? We follow. And so you can pick who you're going to follow. They could have picked to follow God when they said, no, let's choose a leader. Cause or the, and, and their leader was Moses, you know, right. he was doing God's, what God told him to do, but they wanted to pick another leader who was not going to do uh, be doing what God told them to do. Right. Moses represented everything that God had told him to do. And so if you, you can't follow him, you've got to find somebody that's going to turn their back on what God... And that's exactly what it would have and been. And it's exactly what it would have been, and it's exactly what we're seeing today. Exactly. You turn your back on God, and then now you do the, the whims of man. You know, everybody's right in their own mind. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I think what's important for us to do now is to 
to look at all of this through spiritual eyes and, and try to understand it that way. Understanding these concepts of freedom and uh, choice. You know, we, we can choose freedom. I've said before you today, life and death, choose life. We can choose freedom. In the case of the, of the 12 spies, um, two of them were unafraid to choose freedom. Yeah. And 10 were afraid. Absolutely. And I think this is a great place to, since you want to look through spiritual eyes, let's look to the Word of God. You know, in the Tanakh, Isaiah uh, says in, in chapter 43, just this, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you have redeemed you and I have called you for, uh, by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So he doesn't promise that they're not going to go through it, but he says he will be with them through it. And I want to, I want to read uh, from verse 5. It says, Fear not, he tells them again, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring bring your descendants from the east, gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. I will say to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, who I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Now, this is something that I would like to go back to later in the program, uh, talking about today, because that prophecy, I believe, is being fulfilled today. And then finally, the last um, two verses I want to read are from verse 10 through 12. Isaiah says this as God speaking, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God form, nor shall there be any after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. And I have declared and saved, I have performed and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Now, so if we really want to get to the crux of this, when we act without fear and we trust in God, we are the kind of witnesses that he is calling for us to be. Exactly. And when we show fear, we are not. Exactly. And that was what Israel was called to do, was to be those witnesses. Yes. And at this point, they were not doing that. And we're called to be the same. Mm-hmm. And so it, so people look to us. We should be looking different. Our responses should be looking different than what the rest of the world, how the rest of the world is responding. They should be, yes. You know, if you remember, Gary, um, I don't know, a year or so ago, we we did a book club Mm -hmm. and we read an interesting book called um, uh, Exodus and Revolution. Okay, Mm -hmm. wild title by (laughs) Michael Walzer. And really the the themes in that was that the idea of of the Israelites had been slaves so long. They had this slave mentality and, you know, someone had taken care of them. Um, uh, Things were predictable. Um, Things may not have been great, Okay, but but they were predictable. They knew what was going to happen the next day Mm -hmm. and the next day they were. And if they stayed in line they would get up another day, you know, and so forth. But um, so it was dealing with that issues of if you've had this slave mentality for so long, it's very difficult to choose freedom. And uh, so they were dealing with that for years and years. And I kind of 
think that's what we're dealing with a lot today. Yeah, we. I think we are in this country, but examples of it I have seen previously, and and unfortunately the same mentality is creeping into our country. But you know, I have spent a lot of time in the former Soviet Union, and I have heard that there are you know there are firsthand testimonies of people who say no. We would like to go back to communism because at least we had something. And making choices is difficult. And they admit that. They said, they, you know, they have to make these choices. They have to go out on their own and, and, and make decisions. It's more difficult than it was under the communist rule when everything was decided for you and you had a little bit, you know, to meet your needs. Then that's strange. I mean, I would take freedom every time over that. But, I would too, but apparently that's not always the case. And I guess if you're in that for just so long, mm-hmm. it makes it harder and harder. Mm-hmm. Then, and I and I think that that's what's happened with people is that we have been in this kind of t- being taken care of mode a lot, whether that was purposeful on the part of the government or society. I I, I don't know, but. Um, We've gotten into that mentality, I think, and it's really, really hard to shake. Yeah. And I remember, and I, I jotted it down, there was a, uh, there were several quotes from that book we read that I thought were really good. And one of them was, oppression isn't determined or inevitable. It follows from particular choices made Amen. by particular people, okay? And it says, a failure of moral alertness a willful refusal to remember the house of bondage and the day of deliverance and a violation of divine commandments. Mm. So we've got like three things that we're looking at here um, based on choice. One of them is moral alertness or a failure of moral alertness. We've right. got a lot of that going on. Yeah, we do. You moral, know? I mean, it, because it, the, those of us who should be, I think, uh, uh, sounding the alarm need to be because you know there, there's really that that sliding scale of morality that I call it that has happened to us in, in whether it's the church or in the country as a whole. Um, we've just l- keep learning to accept everything. Exactly, that's the problem. Exactly. So I think that we have failed morally, and you know, uh, John Adams spoke to that when we formed our nation. He said our constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. That's it right. is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That freedom, the freedom that the founders gave us in our constitution, could only by ke- be kept by moral people. That's right. And that's where we've, like you said, at a sliding scale, we've slid down that scale. We don't have that type of morality, I would say, at any level, high up all the way down. Well, someone someone might say, well, what's your morality? You know, because everybody's got their idea of what is moral these days. But we look to the universal code of conduct found in the Torah and begin starting with the the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, if you will. And then the other civil codes that we looked at to the precepts or or, uh, mishpatim that we look to in the Torah uh, all give us a guide. And Yeshua said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he also said that, you know, anybody who doesn't do these or teaches those not to do them would be considered least in the kingdom. So I think he's addressing, you know, believers who would, would neglect them or teach others to to uh, not keep them and says exactly. the least of these. I don't know about Matthew you, Kathy. Matthew 5. Yeah, Matthew, yes. okay. yeah, Matthew 5, 18 and 19, I believe right. is where it is. And right. if you don't, uh, you know, 
I don't think you and I got up this morning and said, I want to be the least in no. the kingdom. So Exactly. Yeah. So I find it interesting that even in that book, it was talking about freedom in terms of commandments mm-hmm. and, and, and obedience. Okay. Is fit, you know, violation of commandments, what violation of God's divine law right. basically can lead to oppression. And those are choices that we make. It is choice. That, that's a choice that we make. Now, you know, as we move on here, we have this idea that we have a choice, okay, mm-hmm. of who we can fear, because we will fear one or the other. We can fear man or fear God. That's right. Okay? And um, it's been said that everything's in the hand of God except the fear of God. That's in our hands. We mm. do have that choice, you know. Now, in Matthew 10, it says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, feel, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. We kind of get our priorities mixed up about who to fear, and often we do fear man. Uh, we we may not say that, but we in our uh, when we make choices, right. it, it's evidenced in it, some of the choices we it, make. It is evidenced, and, and I think this is a great place. Um, when you when you called me about the topic of this um, uh, podcast, uh, an article appeared the very same day about choice that I just thought was so appropriate. And it's written by Rabbi um, Coopersmith. And he was talking about what just happened in Afghanistan. You know, you think about the almost a trillion dollars worth, uh, you know, spent trying to build this country and over 20 years uh, fighting um, what we would call the, the, the war on terror. And you think you you would hand over a country after all that time and all that money spent, you'd think you hand a country over to a people who could choose to maintain that, right? But you have to choose. And if 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 it's you know after a trillion dollars and and all in twenty years, they chose just to allow it to go back to you know the mid middle ages within a week overnight. Yeah, yeah. almost yeah <laughs> within a week. It was a very Maybe short a time. Couple days. <laughs> but in the in the context of that, he wrote these words, and I just thought it was good to plug in here. He said, "Strip away all the external forces and elements that impact us for good and bad, and what is left." You are not your upbringing, your circle of friends, your title, your position. You are not your wealth or lack thereof, your looks or your hair, your intelligence, your your fa- uh, fantasies, the color of your skin. All of that forms an endless complex strands that comprise the playing field of your life. But it's not you. You are the chooser who determines how to respond to the moral challenge which is being presented to you at this instant. That choice is yours and yours alone. You are personally responsible for your decision, whether it was wise or immoral or not a decision at all, because that's you. You are the internal will. Everything else that exists outside of you is not you. You are not responsible for so much the formative circumstances of your life. You are responsible for how you choose to respond to it. So instead of blaming your parents, your spouse, the government, God, or any other external force, switch gears and look inward. Focus on the only thing over which you have control, your choice. Exactly. And it's profound, but it's, it, and it's so true. We, it's all we have control over. 
There's that illusion we have con we have right. a, a control over other things, and you're exactly right. Even in small things and in big things, it's only our choice. And that's why I think, like I said, what I'm what we're talking about here today is our our choice of how we react to this virus. Mm -hmm. That's what we're talking about yes. here. And I wanted to go through through some things to try to help those in our audience who may be struggling with this, because honestly, it, we need to continue to encourage each other and lift each other up and share the word with each other because it's hard. We're being slammed every minute with such bad news mm -hmm. and and an overarching message to trust the government to fix all of this. If you just do what we say, mm -hmm. then we will fix this problem that probably they caused in the first place, but <laughs> yeah. we won't go there on no, that, okay? <laughs> you know, but probably... Exactly. So, um, you know, I... So I, I wanted to try to share some of my thinking, our thinking mm -hmm. uh, about this and how we're kind of dealing with this, okay? Sure. So once again, we're going to look at everything, as we always do, through spiritual eyes, right. okay? And the other thing that we're going to do is we're going to be not afraid to question, okay? To ask questions, um, uh, to use some something that's become very elusive, which is common sense. <laughs> we thought that used to be really common, not so common anymore. Yeah. Um, but even the Bible in 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. And it says in 1 Thessalonians 5, test everything, hold fast to what is good. So that's what I'm talking about here is this questioning and testing. I loved a Thomas Jefferson quote. He said, question with boldness, even the existence of a God, because if there be one, he must more approve of the homage of reason than that of blindfolded fear. That is such a profound quote because that's exactly what God did. He didn't want us to be just robots or like the you know the angels. He wanted us to have this free will, which is is where we're talking about choice, and and come to Him of our own free will to choose Him. To choose Him. You know, I lay before you, right? Well, life and life death, blessings and curses. Choose, choose life. life. Please choose life. Yes, He pleads he with us, but He doesn't make life. exactly exactly. So. I'm okay. I'm going to use this concept of testing everything, of questioning everything, as Thomas Jefferson, as the Bible says. And I'm going to test some of the sources of where I get information. So if I'm reading through the newspaper, listening on TV, I'm going to look at the sources, what they're saying, what they're doing. And I look at some stuff that really makes me question, am I going to trust this source? Okay. I think that's important. Yeah. Okay. Who's my master? I'm going to suit, uh, serve. Who am I going to trust? So one of the first things I see that seems kind of out of whack is that the same people who are trying to coerce us into getting vaccines or wear masks or close down are the uh, these people close down small businesses but let Walmart stay open. Mm. So I'm like, okay, what's the logic behind that? Yeah. Is Walmart, are we less likely to get the disease there? I mean, share the virus than we would in the small mom and pop store. What's the science <laughs> right. behind that, right? <laughs> so I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm questioning that. So then I, I look and I see this, the same people who close churches, synagogues, also let abortion clinics, liquor stores, marijuana facilities stay open. Mm. 
sounds a little bit odd. It sounds a little odd, right? So I'm questioning that. Same people who say we must quarantine, social distance, get vaccinated, yet literally let hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants pour over our borders, uh, many, many of whom are COVID positive, with no vaccines, no masks, no nothing. These are great observations, Kathy. Very good. So you're like, okay, let's just think about that. Uh, Same people who say we can't build a wall on the southern border, yet build a wall around Congress. Okay, wake up, people. Mm. Question these things. Don't just accept these things from our leaders. Right. Question it, okay? The inconsistencies the are The inconsistency. Are I mean, and, 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 and my favorite, the same people, those people who are telling us to trust the science, get the vaccine, are also the exact same people telling us that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to stop you yeah. right there because you could have opened with that one and we could have closed because <laughs> if you can't yeah. get this one right, how in the world are we supposed to trust you with anything? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm going to remind those of you who are believers, you know, this information, this advice really honestly isn't for unbelievers okay because they're going to either be okay with a lot of these things or uh you know going to make other choices but i'm saying as believers let's step back let's let's try to overcome our fear and ask some logical questions Mm -hmm. okay uh follow the science you know wherever that is going to take us and 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 decide who are we going to trust here? Right. Who are we and, going to trust? Yeah, and I think one one of the fear factors here in the, the uh, pe- believers not speaking up is this fear of being canceled, this fear of being ostracized in social media, being you know all the things that come with this cancel culture, and so we we remain silent. And I, I know you and I are not. Right. We're, we're not going to. But, <laughs> hardly. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> hardly is, is a good way to put it. But too many are. Exactly. And, you know, bring it back to our original story. Um, you've got those 10 people who are there saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. It's fearful. You know, and you, I would have questioned them. I was like, who are those 10? What what had they said before? What was their qualifications and leadership? You know, how, how was their decision better uh, than Joshua and Caleb's? You yeah. know, that kinds of things. I would have had them, I, I would have said, let's question that too. Right. Okay, let's yeah. question it. Let's just use the same kind of, uh, same kind of thinking. So, you know, so, so that's a... That's a, a way of looking at this through um, kind of step back, looking at it from a much bigger scale. Mm-hmm. I say sometimes looking through heaven's eyes, right. through, you know, spiritual eyes. Let's look at this uh, through spiritual eyes. Now, you know, we've talked also over and over about this idea of rejecting God um, and, and putting man before God, but really it's just a rejection of God. And I'm like, okay, now let's look at what people are saying that may be a rejection of God. And one of the first things that I'm looking at is this constant repetition of the fact that um, uh, that we are safer if we, for instance, get a vaccine made by man than if we get this disease and we have natural antibodies, that they have totally discounted natural antibodies, God's given 
pathway of, of, of protection for our bodies, okay? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's kind of good that we're now having this conversation because in this past week or so, I have seen the test results coming, uh, studies that have been done, and I don't have the reference in front of me, but our audience can look them up. Cleveland Clinic just did a study, and they're showing that the antibodies that have developed from having COVID and, and you know recovered are lasting far longer and are more effective than that of the vaccine. Uh, we're seeing evidence of it in Israel t- today and uh, in Bloomberg. I think it was just yesterday posted an article. It was shocked me. A very liberal um, or, uh, newspaper posted the article saying that the natural antibodies are more effective and longer lasting than that of the vaccine. So it's it, the word is getting out there, but it just I think there, there's too many voices again overriding. Exactly. So what what they're what some people are coming to the conclusion is okay. The way God created our bodies to re, to deal with this is better, okay, mm-hmm. than, than what man has created. And that's not to say, you know, I'm not standing here being, you know, everyone will accuse us being anti-vaxxer or anything like that. Because I know that there's been vaccines that have been very, very effective in the past and have mm-hmm. been important um, and, and, and the way we've used it. But I, But that doesn't mean every single thing coming at us is equally valid. Okay, just because something in the past has been. And that's why we have a responsibility as free people to question all of this. And we should. And and I want to go back to the numbers uh, once again and the the, uh, uh, rate, the mortality rate on this, on COVID and how it's been, you know, exaggerated. Because I have, from the beginning of this virus, I have checked the worldometer and watched the numbers. And it has never, ever, in the entire time we've been... uh, We've been watching these numbers from a a standpoint of world population exceeded 1% of the world population of of deaths. Now, the numbers as they stand most recently that when I looked, when you look at the number of cases versus the number of people who have died, it stands at 2%. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's today. Now, that's worldwide. That's not the, you know, you could could really do a breakdown of countries with better uh, medical facilities uh, probably having a better rate of, of success, but you clump the entire world in it, and it's 2%. So you still have a 98% chance of surviving worldwide. That's not an automatic death sentence, no, for once. So exactly. that, that, that debunks this, this idea of it, it is a, a death sentence. And then you tie in uh, you, the, the fact that we've been, in, uh, we've been told that therapeutics don't work, and I have personal experience that the therapeutics worked, and and very uh, and then a lot of other people I know who have used them and they've worked. Had we had that choice, I don't think the numbers of deaths would have been as high as they currently are. Exactly. So, I I I totally I totally agree with that. That once again, for some reason, there's an there's been an effort to. Um, censor all of this information to keep us in a state of fear yes. because it's easier to control people in a state of fear Absolutely. and i firmly 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 believe that part of our job as believers is to stand against any of these efforts to stand up hold each other's hands up and say you know let's or you know hold on or whatever it takes and say you know do not fear there are and to find the things that are hopeful 
mm-hmm. and, and to to broadcast those. Yeah, you what know? is wrong with that? What, there is nothing wrong More with that. More information is always better. Exactly, so that each of us can make those informed decisions, which has always been at the heart of all of our uh, medical decision making mm-hmm. is informed consent and informed choice and each person being allowed to do that himself and then all of a sudden we've got a total reversal of that and so I have to go whoa put yeah. on the brakes here and go whoa wait whoa, whoa, wait this something's different something yeah uh, I have to question that. See, that's your spiritualized already. You know, they go into um, uh, you know alert mode, and it's just like mine. I mean, when we when we see something happen that just seems uh, you know over the top or uh, exaggerated, I mean, well, many people probably don't recognize that, but I think you have to be watching for it. And you have to look, like you said earlier, you look to the source, look who's telling you this, and and make it a decision. Can I trust Can that I that's trust good it? information? Exactly. You know, so we, we talked a little bit about this idea of censorship. And, you know, s- the censorship of these therapeutics, these alternative ideas, these medical protocols that many, many good doctors and scientists have said are are. Are, are real and they're effective and yet for some reason um, we find our government in bed with big tech the press and media trying to suppress this information yeah. and and you really got to wonder because since once again why are we so okay with censorship this this taking away of our freedoms of of getting information why why isn't there why aren't there more people going wait right. stop this is not okay alarm bells should have been going off every american is this, I, this is i've not... i've had people tell me for instance when 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 early even before covid i believe um when facebook started the concept of fact checkers mm-hmm. i was like whoa 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 whoa, this is not good. Who are these people? Right. Who are these ex- so-called experts? And why do they have any right to stop what I'm trying to say? Very true. I, I looked at my settings the other day, and I didn't even know I was in Facebook jail. I realized after the fact, it said you have four more days before you can go on Facebook Live, and I didn't even know I was... In you jail? Know, yeah. <laughs> they never told me. I, something I posted and I couldn't, I was for, um, forbidden for going on Facebook Live wow. and didn't know it. Wow. So you got to say, you got to look. Okay, let's look back historically. It's always good. The Bible talks about remember, remember. Let's remember into history. And I want to ask the audience a question When has censorship ever worked mm. well? When in the history Never. of mankind has it ever worked well? You know, I can think back to the Inquisition, Stalin, uh, Cuba currently. Okay, how's that going for them? You know, right. that the suppression, uh, Hong Kong, uh, China. Uh, I, I would challenge anybody to tell me when censorship of information has worked well. I would challenge, if if you've got an idea of when that worked well, then please uh, go to (laughs) tortalk21.com. Give us a a, a message on that. I just, I would challenge you. And I don't think that that's, anybody could say that. I I, I would be, uh, that would be a good, uh, I'd love to see that. I'd like the challenge. Okay, challenge. Here's a challenge. No, I'd love to see that because I think you're right. I think history has taught us well. Exactly. So, you know, you would look back at history and I'm brought back to something that was so, 
so powerful to me. And Gary, you know this because of all the work that uh, Ezra International does in Ukraine. But looking at Ukraine, in the 1930s, um, Stalin in charge of, of the Soviet Union, and he uh, created a situation in Ukraine that resulted in mass, mass starvation, the Holodomor. Okay, yes, you know millions, the it, exactly. Right. And um, there was New York Times, 1930, a um, uh, a reporter, Walter Durante. Now, New York Times is not my favorite paper, okay? <laughs> and that's a whole different episode. Once yes. again, talking about trusting sources or not. Exactly. Um, and so uh, Walter Durante went over to the Soviet Union, and uh, these areas controlled in Ukraine and so forth, controlled and under Stalin's uh, rule. And he was desperate to have access to Stalin. Remember, there was kind of a fantasizing of the left at that time about the ideas of communism yes. and socialism, and they thought this was the great future right. utopia stuff same they stuff would, they would heard. do anything they could to promote it to yes. promote it and that's exactly what he did so in, in 19 uh, November 1932 Walter Durante claimed in the paper there is no famine or actual starvation nor is there likely to be in June of uh, 33 um, with death everywhere in Ukraine Durante reported the famine is mostly bunk Fake news, right? Yeah, okay, I guess yeah. the family and he's saying there's he he's our fact checker. Let's just say that. That if is a I, great example. If you and I had said there's a famine in Ukraine, this would, fact checker would have said no. That's, that's bunk. bunk. That is a great example. I love that because yes. that's exactly what we're facing. That's today. exactly what we're facing. So he and he kept over and over saying that these reports of famines are exaggerated. How? Could you imagine being in Ukraine at that time, starving to death, and, and realizing that this man is making that report to, from a newspaper well-respected, well-read by many, 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 many people in the United States and in the world, and they're sitting there suffering like that, right. and this man is doing that. How disgusting. How disgusting is that? And millions uh, died. Millions. Mi millions died. They don't, they're still not even sure how many millions right. died right. in it's that. It's the hidden genocide. Because uh, you know, it, and you know, there's a great uh, book, um, Red Famine by Ann Applebaum, that that exposes all this with pictures and, and statistics and everything like that. It's a tough read, a but tough if read. you want to read about the uh, the uh, Holodomor and the hidden genocide, that I recommend it highly. And and but because the New York Times had such prestige, it was very difficult for the average person mm. to get that to get past that. Mm -hmm. Okay, which is the same thing that we're dealing with today when we have these major media sources saying, uh, for instance, therapeutics don't work and making fun of people who take ivermectin prescribed by their doctors, right. calling it some horse medicine or something. And if you've got the Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN saying all of these things, it's no different than what was happening here. It is no different. And I, I want to I think I can make the tie of why it, it, you know nothing new under the sun it's the same today it's because durani and and stalin could ignore the millions of deaths because they had made their ideology their god small g and and i think that is exactly what's happening today when your ideology is your god then people people don't matter I mean, here we're talking about millions. Uh, you know, not too, too long ago, I remember watching on the streets of our major cities, 
people being beaten over the head, um, frozen water bottles thrown at them, I mean, things thrown in their face, uh, buildings being destroyed, fires being set, property damage by the millions, maybe billions. Why? Because of an, an, an ideology. It didn't matter. People didn't matter. Our ideology matters, and that's all that we, you know. And we were told we're not seeing what we think we're seeing. Right. Don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your eyes. Yeah. Yes. I'm standing here in front of a mostly peaceful protest exactly. with a fire behind me. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly what we saw last time. You know, Truman said something interesting in 1950. He goes, once a government's committed to the principle of silencing the voice of opposition, it has only one way to go. And that is down the path of increasingly repressive measures until it becomes a source of terror to all its citizens and creates a country where everyone lives in fear. Now, this isn't look at how he switched. He said, if you're they're committed to silencing the voice of opposition. But then he goes and says, everyone will live in fear. Ultimately, it's not just the opposition that's going right. to live in fear is Everyone is going to live in fear. So, you know, you think, hey, I'm on the right side. This is okay if you you silence these other people because they're wrong. They're country bumpkins. They don't know the science and all of that. No, no, no. If the government's involved, and of course we have a unique situation here because the government is working this censorship through cooperation with corporate media. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it doesn't, so they kind of keep a little hands off, uh, you know, a, a little bit. And you can say, oh, no, well, Facebook is private entity and there's a whole other discussion about that but in effect we've got this censorship the silencing of the voices of opposition that will result in the silencing and and, and living in fear for all for people. everybody everybody yeah. yeah you have those who who will sound an alarm and they get they get silenced and then and the entire country gets overcome and um it's because these those who stayed silent were like the appeasers, you know, and you know what they say about appeasement. It's like feeding the, the crocodile in hopes that you'll be eaten last. last yeah. And so this is what happened. The entire country gets consumed um, and because there's nobody left to stand up. Exactly. So um, we're going to continue down this path a little bit, but uh, let's take just a quick break. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind and the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel, as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the biblical feasts. Okay, welcome back. Um, You know, we're talking about this idea of looking at this whole virus and the reaction to the virus through spiritual eyes by kind of stepping back and looking at things um, from a bigger uh, viewpoint. And also by the idea of 
looking back into history and seeing how things have gone before us. And, and that's a really good indicator because you know what, as you said, nothing new under the sun and man's nature is not any different. Mm -hmm. Man's nature is no different than it was in the 1940s when what was going on in Nazi Germany. We want to say, Oh my gosh, that was long ago. That it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. And, and we see these, uh, uh, kind of tyrannical, dispositions kind of rising up again mm-hmm. and and once again we're here sounding the alarm i want to talk about this idea about othering kind of a weird word okay it's a good word, it's a good word though okay so you're talking about um that there's us and there's the other right okay and that there's something wrong with the other now we can step back once again to hitler and and the jewish people okay in the the late 1930s and the the uh, rise up to the the whole holocaust and everything and there was this effort to um, to make the Jews the other and be seen in uh, everybody's eyes as somebody different, as as dehumanizing them, uh, making them, like I said, less than human. And the Holocaust, you know, didn't just spring up overnight. Exactly. No, there was a great conditioning that was going on, and it started a long, long time before the Holocaust. And you're, you're absolutely right about the othering and how how Hitler was effective in doing that. I mean, he, he effectively got everybody to believe him other than the Jews, but he also demoralized the Jews to the point where they almost didn't put up a fight other than, you know, you did have the, the Warsaw um, ghetto uprising and things of that nature, but for the most part, they were so demoralized because this was a process, a, a long time in the making. And I think I, it's a good spot to... Uh, turn inward a little bit here and remember, you know, a lot of people want to say, well, the, the, the church, you know, they split away. You have the Crusades, you have the, the Inquisition, but the Protestant church, oh, that's different. Well, not really. Because Martin Luther was, is, was, is credited as being this great reformer. You know, and he, he posted his thesis in 1517, the thesis on the All Saints Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And that really was the beginning of the conditioning of modern Europe because Martin Luther became a vehement anti-Semite in his latter years, and he wrote the book called And Jews and Their Lies. Within that book, you have these, these writings that do exactly what you were referring to, othering, dehumanizing. Jews should be you know, working uh, you know, by the sweat of their brow. They should be doing menial tasks. They, should be, they shouldn't be able to own property, take their books and burn them, burn down their synagogues, anything that doesn't burn, bury it. So here you have for 400 years, Europe, and in this case, uh, Germany, being conditioned to think of Jews as other or dehumanizing them. So yes, when the time comes for Hitler to put into action uh, and the Holocaust begins, all these, all these steps, all these things seemed normal to uh, Europe or Germany at that time. Exactly. So you talk about that. You, you know, there was this idea 
uh, I'll give it a name, and you uh, you kind of referenced it already. The idea of scapegoating, mm. you know, of, of having a scapegoat to blame all of your problems right. on, you right. know. And you know, in Leviticus chapter sixteen, we have that whole concept that's really, really cool about Yom Kippur and the choosing of the two goats, and then one of these goats is selected for 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 Jehovah, and one is selected for the scapegoat. Right. Okay, and then all of the uh, sins of Israel are placed upon upon the head of the scapegoat who's sent out into the wilderness. And what happened with Hitler was that he was scapegoating the Jews. He was placing all of the sins, all of the blame, everything that had gone wrong was placed onto them. And, and I remember, whew, need a little bit of water here. Hold on, audience. <laughs> and I remember um, I, when I looked at that story of the scapegoat, you remember this, Gary, that mm -hmm. they had to cast lots yes. to determine which was the scapegoat. And it made me think, I was like, ah, that was them determining, that was them seeking God's wisdom to determine who was the scapegoat. Man can't determine that. Right. Okay. God determined who deserved the blame and, and who was going to be laid on. Who was God was going to choose who was going to lay the blame on. We can't do that as human beings. We yeah. can't scapegoat each we're other. Because we're all guilty. We're I mean, all you know, guilty we're, of we're, something. Yeah. Yes. And so we can't, it never works well when we pick a person or a group of people to, uh, to, put all of our blame, mm -hmm. all of our guilt upon them. That doesn't work well. But but because of that conditioning that you were talking about, Hitler was allowed, was able yeah. to scapegoat. It works in one way, and it is what he was using. I mean, it's evil, but it would work to unify the country, you know, uh, you know under him to, to, by having a common enemy. But we can look at the horrific results. Exactly. I mean, not only all the, 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 the six million Jews died in the Holocaust, but tens of millions of people died in this war that, that his people just blindly followed exactly. him for. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so all of that leads to then issues of discrimination. Um, oh, help me. My, my brain is uh, the, the laws that they created about it to separate the Jewish people uh, in Germany. Oh, when they... Um, I'm not going to say Nuremberg, but that's not right. No, well, uh, no that's where the trials <laughs> took yes, place. Yes, exactly. But they went, I know that they went to that, uh, yeah, we're both. They had that, we're both blanking on that. That's going to come to me a little bit yeah. later. Okay, so they created these laws that separated the Jewish people, okay, mm -hmm. and made it so they they could not do certain things. They couldn't go right. into certain professions and schools and all of that, separating them out, okay? Mm -hmm. So discriminating against them, eventually putting the yellow star right. on them, Um so barred them from travel, barred them from jobs and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And, and, and did, you, did you hear the list that you just listed? Those, those were all starting the, to sound familiar. It sounded <laughs> the same list that Luther had listed. That's yeah, exactly. They, they said, that's why when you said earlier, it didn't just happen. Yes. People just thought it normal because they had been conditioned. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, then that leads to. So the, the ovens didn't just happen. Right. You know, that type of persecution 
uh, didn't just happen. It happened over time. And this was well thought out and um, premeditated. Exactly. That's for sure. I've been to Auschwitz, and I can tell you that. Exactly. So, you know, we, we look at, and I'm not saying right now that we're dealing with a situation where people are being thrown into ovens, but I can tell you that uh, with even vaccine passports, it's not a far cry from, um, you know, the, the, the yellow, yellow star. star. It's I not did. a far cry it's from not. that. It's really not. I know people um, are shocked when you say something like that, but I'm like, get over it. Yeah. Get over it because you we've got to wake up and see we're not a far cry from that. Yeah, I think there's been a lot of um, people crying wolf and falsely um, uh, comparing the Hitler and the Holocaust to things. And so when we start looking at actual comparisons, then people say, oh, you're, you're Well, that's you're what over. I'm saying. If yeah. everything is Hitler and the Holocaust, then nothing, nothing is Hitler is, but, and the Holocaust. Yeah, but, but something is. This, by separating people, by if you're not, I mean, I have a, uh, an associate who, who lives in Canada who cannot go to anything other than the grocery store right now, and that might be next, but she can't go to any type of gathering without her vaccine passport because she doesn't have a, a, a she has not taken the vax. She's, uh, she's, she's restricted. She's set apart, and that's what we're talking about here. That's exactly, I, I don't see much difference in that. I don't, I really don't. And so that's what I'm saying. I think we need to get past that complete reluctance to look at these similarities mm-hmm. and 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 because I think there's wisdom in that we're supposed to learn from the past we're supposed, we're to. supposed to we don't just ignore it we're supposed to learn from it and you know what even in the United States we've had this happen to us in the past in 19 in 1798 uh, there was a group of legislate legislative acts known as alien and sedition laws and they were designed to prevent activities which would undermine the nation's safety and independence But in fact, they were really broad, and they were used to imprison leading citizens, including a member of Congress, actually Mm. imprisoned, uh, who expressed disagreement with the policies of the administration. So, you know, eventually Americans wised up to these alien and sedition laws, and they became so repugnant to them um, that they actually played uh, played an important role of getting rid of the the party that sponsored that, the Federalist Party. But... um, the, so they repealed all of these, but I think it's important that we get learn the lesson from that because that's happened here. Yeah, when I, when you read this, you think, well, wait a minute. If they if they repealed it, why are we still doing it? You right. know, well, but it, we're doing it through through mandates that are not law. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. So you know, we have to you know, we have to be careful that you know. Extreme and arbitrary security measures strike at the very heart of a free society, and we must be eternally vigilant uh, against those who would undermine freedom Mm -hmm. in the name of security, security, safety, um, not getting a a sickness or, you know, a virus. We have to be constantly weighing these ideas between freedom and safety. Mm -hmm. That's a delicate balance. It's a delicate balance. Yeah, it can be. But I, I think when I look at the science on this and the, the numbers, the record, um, 
I feel like uh, you know our, our freedom is more at risk at risk right now. I'm always going to choose freedom over yeah. safety. This is part of that whole idea of going back to the original story. Um, they wanted safety. The people wanted to run back to Egypt, mm-hmm. okay, rather than have their freedom. Back to bondage. Okay, back to bondage. Yeah. Okay, because it was a little safer. So I'm always going to uh, fall on the side of freedom. You know, me personally. Sure. But you know, we 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 come here. I was talking about something that happened in the late 1700s. But, you know, in August of this year, our Department of Homeland Security issued an advisory, and they said we had to be aware of violence from domestic actors, including racially motivated and anti-government extremists. And including, and, and according to this advisory, which some of you out there may not even know this advisory exists, mm-hmm. but it absolutely does under our DHS, Department of Homeland Security. And it says actors are increasingly exploiting online forums to influence and spread violent extremist narratives and promote violent activity and are further exacerbated by grievances over public health safety measures and perceived government restrictions. Wow, you know what happened, Kathy? This podcast just made us uh, extremists. I think so. Because we're questioning the safety measures. Exactly. Exactly. That this this document here just made you and I extremists. Exactly. Exactly. So don't think that we're dealing with things that have only happened in the past and cannot happen again. Nothing new under the sun. Right. If we can't learn from this, we're going down the same path. And that's why we're here uh, blowing the trumpet, right? <laughs> that's right. The watchman on the wall saying, yeah. uh, wait, hold on, hold on. If nothing else, just question. Just question. Don't just blindly accept. Exactly. You know, it comes down to this. God says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a strong mind. Second Timothy. And I remember learning about this and it said, okay, so what is fear, the opposite of fear? He's given us when you, okay, let's look at power. When you have fear, you feel powerless. That's right. Okay. And what's happening now? It says he's given us a spirit of love. I don't see a lot of love no. lots of times, particularly with people judging each other, scapegoating each other, blaming each other. Families have had, you know, you've got your family issues. I've had my family issues with people blaming and outright right. angry. Where's the love? So there's not a spirit of no. love. And you should have said the love of many would grow, grow cold. cold. And I think we're there. I think That's we're sadly. absolutely there. Yeah. And then the strong mind. That means that fear gives us a weakness in our mind Mm. okay so the exact opposite of fear is power love and a strong mind those are the things that we're going to hold on to as god's people not the fear and that's why i said earlier and why i wanted to to do this podcast was we have to keep building each other up. I have friends who are strong believers just like we are, and we're constantly building each other up, reminding us because we go out in the world, we talk to family, we talk to friends, we're discouraged, we're beaten upon, basically. I mean, you know, uh, not actually, um, but we we get... um, constantly criticized for some of our views and we have to keep encouraging each other and say yes 
this is okay. Question, stand up, be bold. Question right. even the very existence of God, if that's what it takes. Exactly. You know, question yeah, it and hold each other up. Exactly. And we have to hold each other up, just like Joshua and her. Remember, they held up uh, mm-hmm. Moses's arms during the battle. We got to hold each other up. Yeah. And, I, you know, our audience is included in that. If you're listening right now and you've been discouraged and, and maybe fear is creeping in, I think you're probably happy to know that you're not alone, that you have others who feel the same way you do, and be encouraged. Exactly. I, I'm always about that. Be be encouraged about sharing light, about sharing hope. That's what we're. That's who we are as children of God. That is our job. And so the other thing I would encourage all of us to is we cannot lose our compassion and our humanity because someone disagrees with us. Um, that is not a reason to lose that love. Right. We cannot let our love grow cold. Um, I I think it's important that we just look at others as they don't have the same information that we have. And if we can uh, share that with compassion and humility, all the better. I also recognize that not everybody's willing to hear that. Yeah, but we, like you said, we can't treat them like the, you know those of us who, who are, are in a disagreement with with the government right now and right. this policies. That we're the others at the moment. We can't do the same thing. We can't treat our our neighbors, our family members who don't believe the same way we we do as others. No, they are they are human beings that we love and and have compassion for, and that's the reason why we do what we do with this podcast and. And everything else that we do in our lives is, is try to offer an alternative to their lifestyles, to their beliefs. You know, the, the fact that we we firmly believe that the Torah provides the answers to what God is lo- for to what man is looking for. Exactly. You know that that gets us to um, the uh, in the book of Joshua it says, "Choose this day whom you will serve." Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what we have to commit. That's the choice that we have to make today. Yes. Who are we going to serve? Who's going to be our master? Because someone is going to be the master. Right. And, and I think you started in the beginning. What is that, that thing that's more important than fear? And it's our God. It's, it's Jehovah. And don't let your ideology become your God. Even if you're a conservative, whether you're conservative or liberal, do not let your ideology become your God. Right. And I think if we can hold on to that and help others who are believers doing that, I think we can get through this. Okay. And I think that that's what uh, we have to constantly be reminded of over and over. So if this is a message that was helpful to you and you think it would be helpful to others, please share it with other people. Uh, please talk about it. If you have questions, contact us. Uh, uh, you know, We'll be happy to share more and we may do more podcasts as we feel led to do <laughs> in the future. Um, but until the next time that we see you, until next time, remember what the psalmist said. Those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble amen shalom shalom kathy thank you for listening please join us next time on torah talk